I think you could argue that George Santos is probably one of the 10 or 15 most well-known congressmen in the country right now, not for great reasons. Also, by the way, Katie, he has no money. In the financial disclosure forms for the first quarter that just came out, he has only about $25,000 in his campaign bank account. All the money that he raised in the first quarter went to paying back donors from his last campaign who asked for refunds. Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I uh, I watched that Babylon movie. Uh, you, see, you saw the trailer for that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. the Damien Chazelle yeah. movie, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. He directed La La Land, which almost won Best Picture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which sort of won, by, yeah, by accident. He directed um, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was like the really good one out of that series of movies. Yeah, he directed uh, uh, Whiplash, too, which was incredible. Which um, I haven't seen. He also directed First Man, so he knows you know, he knows how to do like a quiet mumblecore movie, too. Uh, but yeah, like all of it, none of his movies, all those movies are great and none of them feel like they were done by the same director. No, they're super different fucking movie. I mean, La La Land and Whiplash could not be more opposite, you uh, know, tonally uh, and like yeah. just everything. They, they all mean, look great. That's kind of his hallmark. But like other than that, they're totally completely different. Right. First Man couldn't be more different from Babylon. You yeah. know, it's like First Man's like this dark cerebral, you know, exactly the kind of like Ryan Gosling type shit where he has to, you know. He he acts by showing no emotion in every scene. That's <laughs> a shtick, right? right? right. Um, but yeah, Babylon was great, and it's three and a quarter hours long. Uh, it's it's an epic. The title card for the movie doesn't a real appear man spreader. Of, yeah, exactly. The the kind of sexist film that you know is designed to make women have to you know run to the bathroom. I don't know why they don't have intermissions in movies anymore. <laughs> Like that was the whole point was, you know, well, I think it was, it it used to be mostly because it was like, you know, it it was almost, I don't want to say built into movies, but it was very much a, well, we gotta, we gotta get them for another round of, you know, popcorn and soda. So they kind of, it was all just kind of assumed at that point. And also, I think that was also when they had to change reels, which like, you know, you you still kind of have to do, but now it's like a lot easier with the ones that still it's use all reels. Digital. And it's, it's all well, digital. Well, even the ones that use reels now, though, they have like yeah. a machine that, that does it for them. It, it's like a much right. less, like they used to literally have to fucking take the can off the thing and put the other thing on and fucking, you know, yeah. flip the you know. camera. Like, well, it's crazy. I, I saw Fight Club. I know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, great movie, that Babylon. Um, very dark. Uh, very much not a movie for children. Um from the opening, I mean, it's it's about like the you know how decadent and excessive and 
uh, horrifically unsafe the uh, film sets were back in the 1920s. Mm, um, before, yeah, yeah. This is also before the Hayes Code. So, like, you know, basically they wanted to, you know, right, right, right wingers wanted to control the media and didn't like all the, you know, all the values of uh, women singing and dancing in the movies. Uh, they didn't like that. So they, <laughs> they basically tried to like control what actors could do in their personal life, too. Yeah. Um, you know, things like uh, not letting them be gay in public. <laughs> that was, they were allowed that. Not that's a no, no. Just, just always psychotic culture warriors like from the start. Exactly. So the film really shows like what was, you know, they were having orgies and fucking doing cocaine and just, you know, like all kinds of crazy shit because right. I mean, it was like this brand new industry and they're all, they're all famous and rich. Right. This was this was like the really the first decade of films being an industry. Um, and then it's also about how a lot of these these actors kind of crashed and burned because they were, you know, doing drinking like crazy every fucking night. Uh, doing shitloads of cocaine, um, and then also the fact that they were in silent films, and it turned out a lot of them couldn't—they couldn't sing, <laughs> right? <laughs> they couldn't deliver their lines. Like you know, like they were—they were great when films were silent, but as soon as they had to talk, they you know, in 1929, 1930, people were laughing at them because you oh, know, so this was like the, about the dawn of sound too in cinema. Like was that exactly? Like, yeah, there's a great really scene like where that. the. So they sort of introduce all these characters in the film, you know, directors and sound people and actors mm-hmm. and everything. And then, you know, so you know who they are and how they're used to operating. And it's just like this this whirlwind of like, I can't fucking believe this shit. But, I, you know, this is really how they made movies. They used to just film, um, you know, 18 different movies at the same time on the same set because it didn't matter uh-huh. because there's no there's no sound. You just fucking put in the <laughs> later, you know, whatever. Um, and, and then they all have to switch to doing sound and none of them how to f- know how to do it. So they're experimenting, trying to figure it out. But like, this is Los Angeles and they can't have the AC on because now now they have fucking microphones they have to worry about. They've got to have the camera inside of a booth uh, because it makes so much fucking noise. And then, you know, there's a guy in the booth who's, you know, dying of dehydration (laughs) from from being in this fucking hot box, basically. So it's. uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just amazing that the evolution of movies in like such a short time. Like I we like every once in a while, like on on uh like local TV here, they show like old sixties horror movies and like sci fi movies and shit. Mm-hmm. And you watch these movies from the sixties and like, you know, even like early seventies, and there's just no single camera shooting whatsoever. I mean and for people that don't know what I mean, it's not um it's not that they have a multi-camera setup, so to speak, but there's never just single focus shot dialogue, you know, switch focus to the other guy talking dialogue. It, they shoot a lot of stuff like a play almost where just everybody's in frame. Like there's clearly no cuts, but it seems like purely just a nobody thought to do it that way. And then, you know, film was so expensive. Right. And and now you would just never even that sticks out as like like weird to you when you see that in a movie now you know, for any extended period of time, like, oh, wow, they tried to do this as a, you know, a single take shot, like versus the fact that it was almost sort of like, and and the acting is also like indicative of that. Like, it's a lot more play like, and it's, it's probably of a lot, you know, lower quality, but it's just, it's fascinating to see how far the, the genre sort of evolved in like such a short time. Oh yeah. Well, for the longest time, they they didn't, you know, they didn't understand the idea of editing either. So it was just, Right. You know, it's like we're just filming a stage play. And that was why well, it was so hard for them to do sound at first, because they were they, they couldn't put the microphone anywhere near 
the people because right. they had to, every shot was a was a master shot was a wide shot of the entire room. <laughs> so, well, now you film to edit. I mean, it's it was yeah. inconceivable back then to, to to not have actors who were acting opposite each other actually acting again like two face to face in in a shot. But that that's like commonplace on film sets now is that you people just have stand ins <laughs> right. on the back of their fucking head is in the shot that they're well, they just don't like, even have the actors in the same fucking scenes anymore because they could just CGI them together, you know, like yeah. the fucking end of Spider Man when you know Happy and and fucking Spider Man are clearly not standing next to each other because they had to green in a fucking the graveyard. You can just go to a fucking place, <laughs> go to a fucking hill in Westchester County and bring a fucking couple gravestones. Like, what are you doing? Speaking like, of Spider Man, um, there's you know to- Toby Maguire so came out bizarre. of retirement. From four, from fourteen years of retirement to do that that uh, <laughs> from fucking no way home grifting at fucking poker tables that you but know, then Harris. he uh, then he fucking pops up at the end of this movie in Babylon and it's like holy shit <laughs> that's not who I was expecting <laughs> um, but yeah great great fucking movie it's on I don't know what it's on it's, I think it's, oh Paramount Plus that's right yeah. Paramount Plus who that has uh, tons of great shit but their fucking feed is terrible like it's yeah their their app is terrible their app and their whole user interface is just not it's very low rent yeah i'll watch a show and then like every 20 seconds it'll stop for like a split second and start again yeah it's it's like i I, and and i've got fucking decent internet here too so i don't know you know it's fucking incredible interface and like completely free tubi you ever watch stuff on tubi uh yeah i hate the commercials though but uh, yeah I, I mean that's the only thing but like they have a lot of good movies like it's crazy how like it's not yeah. you know your typical free because i guess nbc or maybe the nbc owns pluto i don't know one of the big streamers owns tubi yeah so i guess they make money on the ads but like they have a lot I of good didn't. shit on there yeah and it's not like tv ads where it goes on for fucking three minutes but no, uh, no. yeah I, I i watched something on there recently i don't remember what it was though but uh, uh oh did, did you see today um Fucking talk about Mandela syndrome. Um, I saw Tim Curry trending today, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what ha- what what's what's up with uh, that guy that, that died like ten years ago." <laughs> right. And yeah, no, he's still alive. It, he's he's fucking totally alive. And yeah. I was just, it was just his birthday today, huh. and I'm I'm like, oh, "Wow, that's okay." I think uh, he's in rough shape physically, so maybe that's why. Because he's 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 just very. Oh yeah, like, no, he had a stroke. He had a stroke. Yeah, I mean, he's ago. he's. I think he's wheelchair bound or mostly, yeah. you know. So I've seen him pop up in things, and it's like I it it, it is a little. It's a bummer because he was just such a like an outrageous fucking personality as an yeah. actor. He's incredible in. I'll, fucking I'll every, never forget every him. bad thing he's in. He's so good in. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'll never forget him. You know, as uh, uh, Gomez Adams in the Adams Family. <laughs> yeah no i fucking i totally thought that and i'm like hey he was in he was the the guy from adam no it's julia no but he was in like the they made some like like third shitty or maybe this is really mandela effect i could have sworn he was in some like weird adaptation of i'm gonna look no it's it's just that he's played a bunch of characters that make you think that he was in the adams family (laughs) No, like, he was. He was. Okay, so what? he was in Adam's Family Reunion, the third Adam's Family movie. Really? No it's shit. It's got a 3.9 on fucking IMDb. This was, I'm pretty sure this was like straight to VHS. Wow, that's fucking Yeah, wild. no, it was, okay, it was straight to DVD in 1998, yeah, so that's, 
I, I, no, it's right. That's that's why I was hey, saying like it straight straight to DVD in ninety eight is actually an accomplishment because they well right it was like the first one of the first DVDs probably fuck I, I think the first DVD I ever bought was the Matrix and it was still one of those shitty um the ones that had like the little the black thing on the right side that you'd have to like crack open to like open yeah they were like paper I, I yeah. have um uh, my one of my first DVDs was two thousand one. And like it doesn't when you put the DVD in, it doesn't even go to a menu screen. It only the it only just, option it plays like a VHS, <laughs> right? It just starts playing like like a DVD, like a DVD, and uh, you can't even like if you pause it or do whatever. There's no menu screen. You can only get to the menu screen if you watch the entire movie, and then it goes to a menu screen. That's so weird. That's how old the fucking DVD. That's so bizarre. Shit was. I, those are so fucking like I, I used to love menu screens. There always be like there would always be like Easter egg things you can arrow over to like and like oh, watch yeah. some random yeah. fucking like that's that's the shit I, I miss about was, that physical remember when experience. I was, I was telling you about like what band websites used to be in the early nineties, like like yeah, Stone Temple Pilots. Kind of There'd be like one little tiny part of the website that would was animated, and you were like, "Oh, that's so cool! Look how the little thing moves." <laughs> that was what DVD menu screens were like when they first came out. It was like, "Oh, this one little part of the still image is slightly animated in After Effects." That's fucking. We, we sound wild, like such man. boomers to our fucking any of the Zoomers <laughs> that listen to us. They're like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, what the fuck? It's, um, it's no different than any other new thing. No. It's not like fucking anyone doesn't relate to it but have you ever um I, super quick because this is something i i rewatched recently because i saw that they made a sequel and i had no idea it's a very low budget movie it's this movie called the man from earth have you ever heard of it mm, wasn't that that the bowie movie or is that the man that fell to earth no i think that's the man that fell to earth um no it, it's, a, it's a movie it's written by jerome bixby who's like a famous um writer for star the original star trek in the 60s is great sci-fi writer and and it's like a really high concept but like low budget like they've they've turned this into a stage play that's how like low it's basically just a bunch of guys talking in a a bunch of people talking in a in a room like is, is the entire movie um but the whole concept is this guy this professor uh at a college he's leaving he calls all his colleagues in because he wants to say goodbye to them and he decides to tell them his secret uh which is that he's fourteen thousand years old and he's survived since the pleistocene or well he claims that at least and the whole movie is like trying to figure out whether or not he's telling the truth or not and it's just really fascinating the sort of like it's very dialogue heavy but it's really well written you could tell it was written by a fucking master of his craft um but yeah it's, it's really worth the watch it's on tubi for free i'm sure it's somewhere else streaming Man, Tubi better fucking kick us some money for this episode. I, well, hey, it's free, but they don't have any fucking money. What are they gonna kick us? <laughs> kick us some? Well, I guess they could kick us some of that ad revenue. But um, but no, it's, it's that's that's what actually was making me think of it the other day. I was like, oh, I fucking love this movie. It's and yeah, they made yeah. it for like two hundred grand, which you know obviously is a lot of money to me or you, but to make an entire feature film is like when was that? Fucking pennies. Two thousand seven, I think it came out. Yeah, that's like you know double the amount of money by now. Shit. <laughs> I had something really quick. Actually, you know, I'll save this for the very end. I had something funny I was going to throw in, but it doesn't really relate to anything. We should probably get into the the uh, yeah. nuts and bolts of the uh, speaking of uh, speaking of sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of sci-fi, uh, oh God, I, it's just it brings me no pleasure to report on this constantly because this was when I was a kid. Luke Skywalker was my favorite fucking character of any movie, whatever, you know, when I was like, you know, five, six years old, he was, he was the fucking guy, you know, he's the one that you always like when you're a kid. 
and then you grow up and you realize Han Solo is way cooler. You know, that's the, the old cliche about yeah, Star Wars. I mean, but... exactly. Fucking Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones was like my huge hero when I was a kid. Right. Um, you just, there was, you know, I didn't even think that Han Solo was that cool because he was kind of a jerk, you know, whereas Indiana well, he's a dick, was but, that, but that's more. when you become more cynical and older, you're like, oh, I got, I get why this guy's all pissed off all the time. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but no, and, and you know, look, those movies are, you know, the, the, the first three movies are great. Um, he's he i mean even when i was you know maybe not when i was super young but once i started kind of understanding fundamentally what acting is i always knew he was not a good actor you know he's not there's a reason he never really went on to do a bunch more roles i think he's a great voice actor but that's a much i think a much different skill um it's, anyone could be a good voice actor that's not a <laughs> well no i wouldn't say i mean it's a different it's a different skill set like i think there are people that can be great voice actors or great audiobook you know readers that may struggle when they're actually having to emote in a more subtle way which is not you know like it just voice acting tends to be a lot bigger and a lot more um cartoonish i guess you know but oh is it he's some kind of cartoon Mark yeah Hamill. um real life it, it's just completely off the fucking deep end just one of the most obnoxious shit libs you you can imagine and you know i i, I always would chalk this stuff up to like these people are just so out of touch with reality that, you know, they, they just, they can't even fucking see past their own bullshit. But I have to think that this is intentional at this point and that he's just, you know, I, I don't know if he's, he's getting money from fucking NATO to like be their spokesperson. Like, I don't know what it is, but it is, it is so, he's so obviously ignoring the fact that he's supporting a fucking Nazi army at this point that it it's crazy. And the thing that kind of set it off this week uh, is Mark Hamill. He did a, I, some fundraiser bullshit, you know, Twitter like video where he was talking to a bunch of Ukrainian soldiers and prominently in the frame in one of the, the, the Skype chats that he was, you know, speaking to a group of soldiers in their fucking bunker or whatever they were in is um, a, a giant fucking Nazi flag in the background. It, it wasn't a swastika, but it was like four or five different little Nazi symbols that were like, you know, it had the bl- the the blood and soil, the black and red. It had the fucking sun and grad, the black sun. It had like the eighty nine, which I think indicates some shit. I it, it, eighty four or eighty eight. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah. uh yeah, which which is like HH, you know, how like that. So it, it it's fucking. I mean, and it was so obviously a Nazi flag. Like you look at it, you're like, oh man, that's you know, it literally looks like the fucking. I, I remember we were joking about in um. One of the fucking Star Wars shows, one of the lesser ones, I think maybe it was Boba Fett, how like that guy, the guy like who's clearly like the MAGA guy, like driving the transport truck, picks him up and there's like a a fucking like, it looked like a Sonnengrad flag like in the back, but it was an Imperial flag. I mean, it looked, it reminded me of that. It's like, you can't look at that flag and not think of like the most evil shit imaginable. No. Um, well, he's not. A, I mean, this is this is this is the problem is people are like, well, I didn't know what that flag meant. It's like, OK, yeah, but you're not obsessed with Ukraine for the last year the way that Mark Hamill is. There's no way that you can spend this much time obsessed with Ukraine and not know what that symbol, not know what those flags mean by and now. ignore everyone being like, hey, look and, at this Nazi image in this picture. Look at this right. Nazi image in this picture. And people fucking are telling picture. him like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of replies to him saying those are those are all nazi flags they're they're telling him like what are you doing 
Like, and then he says, I have no idea what the, what that flag signifies. My support is simply for Ukraine over the Russian invasion, period. You can't say, I don't know what it means after people have already told you what it means. Yeah. No, you're just lying at that point. Oh, like my mother does this. I'll tell her about a thing and she'll go, oh, I don't know about that. I'm like, but you do. Now now. you do. (laughs) You just got told. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Like, no, you do. You can't pretend not to know now that you've been told. That means like that's on. That seems like it's true, but it's very uncomfortable it's for me. Like, so I'm going to pretend I, I don't know about it. Yeah, and it's it's like I, I tweeted this. I was like, what, "What's it called when someone goes from denying something bad exists to admitting it does, but now they don't care?" There's got to be a clinical term for it. Yes, um, and it's Which not just it's liberalism is the clinical right. term for that. <laughs> and it's not just denial because it's like it's this, the process of no longer being in denial. No, you're gaslighting us at that but point. Now we, saying that there's no problem with it, you know. Right. So the closest words I could find are the word are the are the uh, psychological terms sublimation or introjection, and even those aren't quite as accurate to to what I'm you know this phenomenon. And it's and it's not just. I mean, the p- people on the right do it all the time too. It's like, well, climate change doesn't exist, but if it did, it'd be good. Right. You know, it's it's like you, you know, same or other- or yeah, it does, but we can't do anything to stop it. It's like the is the new line. Oh, no, we'll say, oh, we'll, we'll have a longer growing season, so it's actually good. So, ha, I'm gonna fucking leave my engine running. And all, um, you know, or liberals do this shit with the CIA. Would like the CIA would never do that. Oh, they actually did do that. Well, it's fine then with me. <laughs> it probably it probably was for the best. If they, I'm sure they were looking out for our interests. Um, when they were going to bomb Miami and blame it on Castro, <laughs> that was that was a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, of course. How can it not be? So the thing you were referring to, I actually have the tweet that preceded it because somebody responded to his video, um, which was, you know, for some fundraiser, of course, um, for for Ukraine, for United Twenty Four. Uh, whatever the fuck that is. And uh, someone replied, uh, hey, Mark, I'm a big fan of yours, and it's really terrifying to see you not acknowledging the very obvious flag in this video. I understand if you didn't recognize it. I know lots of people might not have, but it's been pointed out to you a lot, and your silence is really painful. To which Mark Hamill replied, I have no idea what the flag signifies. My support is simply for the U- for Ukraine over the Russian invasion, period. Yeah, that's the tweet that I just read. But Yeah, no, I yeah just, so... Yeah, the the one that I, he got trolled really hard on this, but I love my favorite one was the the tweet of uh, uh, Mark Hamill when a Nazi symbol pops up on the Zoom call, and it's a picture of him wearing the fucking helmet with the blinder on it when he was trying to train with <laughs> right, the fucking <laughs> right, right. So, but yeah, and then it's just you know, again, it's it's you, you have these fucking people that will defend him. One person said, "Dude is an actor. Leave him alone. Artists have zero moral obligation to the public." Like, really? Well, if he doesn't have an obligation to the public, he has a moral obligation not to pal around with literal fucking Nazis. Someone yeah, else, yeah. Some, yeah, someone else said uh, he was clearly blissfully unaware because he's a fucking boomer actor, not a politician. I'm not a politician either, but I know what that fucking symbol means. <laughs> I knew what that symbol meant a long time before this conflict started, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, not knowing wasn't his problem. It's after he was told he didn't care. Star Wars is literally about space Nazis, and this clown was palling around with real life ones. Stop defending his stupidity and immorality. Um, and then this one, this was just crazy. You're the one who should be, who sounds, okay. You're the one who sounds stupid to me because he is an actor, LOL. If he ever runs for office, hold him accountable and don't vote for him. Besides that, what gives you the right to police his behavior? him interjecting himself into a fucking conflict what? he clearly 
and either knows nothing about it or is on the complete wrong side of. Like I don't know, maybe that. Like where where do where do the the allies, you know, where do they think they get to police Adolf Hitler's behavior? Right. What it, what, what business is it of anyone else? What what he's doing in Auschwitz? You know, no, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's like insane. if Clark Gable is all of a sudden like, yeah, you know, this Hitler guy, he makes really good points. I don't really know about all this concentration camp stuff you guys are talking about, but you know, I just know that I I, I understand a, a, a black and white conflict when I see one, and yeah, uh, and that was like literally people had that attitude in World War Two of of like. You know what business of uh, is ours if he's killing millions of Jews? Like you know, right. we, we we could have bombed the, the rail lines to those death camps, and we didn't. <laughs> That's yeah, you know, <laughs> um, really only like right towards the end we were like, ah, oh, well, we're here, we may as well liberate them. But it was I mean, clearly just because not a we're priority. Or like what? I mean, that, what? Who who are we to police? You know what he's doing with all those people that he took from the ghettos to those camps and those trains. I mean, that's, right. we don't even really know. I mean, maybe they're having fun at those camps, you know, camp right. sounds like fun to me. I just, man, I, I would love to just hear a Tony Gilroy thing. The creator of Endor thinks about fucking Mark Hamill. That, that's what <laughs> I fucking, stupidity. I tweeted that out that uh, at, right when this happened. I'm like, can somebody who made Andor please call up Luke Skywalker <laughs> and explain to him what the fucking point of Star Wars was? <laughs> Right. I mean, just watch that fucking show. The whole fucking there's a whole fucking arc about prison labor and like the you know j- just I guarantee. The tri- I guarantee Mark Hamill has not watched Andor, or was like ah this is boring. There wasn't enough you know pew pew and and fucking lightsabers <laughs> exactly. and jedis and so I have one aliens. last part of this. One last person said while the different groups within the Ukraine insurgent army supported the, that's the UIA. Uh, which mm. was an offshoot of the OUN, the um, oh, God. Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists. Uh, it was founded prior to World War II. So they they had their own Nazi movement, right? They were already yeah. 1920s becoming Nazis the same time Germany was, separately, before they were invaded. Right. The Banderites, um, which, yeah, which, you know, fucking, what's his, what's his dick? The president, uh, Zelensky, is a huge self-professed fan of uh, Stephen Bandera. Yeah, who was a national a fucking, hero. Yeah, who's was, was so, a literal Nazi collaborator. Yep. This guy says, well, the different groups within the Ukrainian insurgent army su- pardon me, supported certain political elements of the Nazi party during the 40s. They oh, primarily so- formed a coalition around being anti-communist. European history is clearly more complicated, typo on their part, than you understand. So, yeah, the OUN that literally carried out the Holocaust in Ukraine. Yeah, no, they literally the, sent they sent the Jews from the Ukraine to, to, to the fucking concentration camps on behalf of the Nazis. Like, they the, rounded the, them up for they, their they, new they, captors. They were right. invaded by Nazi Germany, and they were so ecstatic to be invaded and controlled by uh, outright fascists who were going to eventually invade the Soviet Union that they were like, oh, can we go round up those Jews for you? We would love nothing more. Than to do that, we've been writing about how it needs to be done for the last twenty years in our newspapers, yep. right? So certain political elements, <laughs> yeah, the, the the element that was like let's purge the Jews from existence off the face of the earth that that certain political element. Yep, yep, yep. That's just it, it's just it's just incredible. Um, it, it, it's fucking disgusting. But I, you know, he's just he's gonna get no one's gonna hold him accountable. I mean, what the fuck, you know? No, I mean the internet will give a shit. But yeah, I, but I did a, I did try to do a search for this to see if anyone had written about it. Nothing came up as as for this under just searching Mark Hamill under news. 
on Google. I had to I had to search Mark Hamill Nazi to find anything about it, and all I found was like a single fucking like tech blog post about it. Right. No, of course. So it, you you and, think and that'd this, be the juiciest story in the world? Like Mark Hamill unwittingly the, the, platforms the, yeah. Nazi, you know, sympathizing. But they uh, don't Ukrainian want that or... to happen. I mean, this if this was any other kind of celebrity kerfuffle, there'd be twenty five articles about it. You know, above the fold on fucking Google search. Right. You know, and then you'd have, you know, tweets from every single prominent blue check account replying to him, telling him, like, dude, look up uh, embedded in the article the way you have with any other fucking celebrity thing. But no, there's a reason for it. It's like it's like the f- fucking former CIA guy said that, you know, every major celebrity we own, you know, yep. <laughs> so of course they're going to they're going to make sure that he's protected from any real scrutiny. Um, but one little one last little little funny thing here about Mark Hamill and his connection to uh to andor this fucking headline I, I, this that was hilarious star wars uh star wars is andy circus that yes that andy circus from like everything recalls awkward moment meeting mark hamill <laughs> star star wars actor andy circus has revealed that he didn't recognize mark hamill when they met for the first time before shoot, shooting star wars awakened because he played snoke in that so that was his first thing before right right before. right the whole cast met up for dinner before filming started, and when Luke Skywalker, uh, when the Luke Skywalker actor sat down next to him, Circus didn't have a clue who he was <laughs> or what character he had been cast as. That's fucking hilarious. So his this is his quote here: "We were uh, invited to a dinner, kind of a inaugural dinner. Everyone had been cast. It was the first time gathering people together." Uh, Circus explained at this year's Star Wars celebration event. So, so he's telling this story is like a funny story, but I think it just like makes Mark Hamill look fucking pathetic. <laughs> um, someone in, uh, who sat down next to me said, I'm such a big fan of your work, Andy. And I said, well, thank you very much. Um, so what are you doing here? <laughs> Hamill said, no, I'm in the movie. And I said, oh, right. Yeah. OK. Um, what are you doing on the movie? And he said, no, well, I'm I'm Mark. And I said, yeah, I know. But what are you actually doing on the movie? And he said, no, I'm Mark. <laughs> And I said, I know, but what are you actually doing on the movie? And he screams, I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> like his whole ego and identity was just fucking shattered. It's like, it's that one he thing I have, man. Come on. What? Nobody, nobody remembers Seriously. Wing Commander. Like, come on. Just I'm fucking Luke Skywalker. And it's it's like, the one it's thing I have in this world. Yeah. It's just because fucking Andy Serkis is a real actor who's constantly getting roles. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he doesn't have time to fucking. Much like Tony Gilroy, he doesn't actually like Star Wars, which is why he was so good at it when he did fucking. Exactly. And when he, when he plays Kino and Andor. I, I mean, maybe right. my favorite character from that entire series. But I, 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 what's his face? Uh, Stellar, Stellar Skarsgård. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård's up there. But I mean, oh, yeah, totally. Just everyone in that show is just such a fucking well fleshed out, like really well written character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, Andor is probably the least fleshed out character, even though he's good. But like, it's like you know, maybe the least interesting character on his own show. Yeah, and that's fine though because every every you know He's the, the show about those characters. Others. Exactly, exactly. The fucking kid that ran, wrote the manifesto was a more interesting character oh, yeah. than anybody in the fucking show. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what you get when you have serious people making serious content for grownups. Is you get you get Andor. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, obviously, Mark Hamill not a serious person. Um, you know, just like Spicoli uh, goes over there and just like, oh, I want to <laughs> give a thing to the people that you, it's like you're fucking. Do you do you see all those little symbols? The you know the skull with the double lightning bolts, the little fucking Nazi SS symbol. Like, do you know what those mean? 
I'm just big fans <sighs> of the Punisher, I think. That's that's my <laughs> first two. Oh my god. All right, enough of that fucker. Yeah. What um, do we got next? Yeah, so well <laughs> from NATO to NATO, I guess we should we should go because uh, there was this the, that article uh that you mentioned uh that was making the rounds in on the meme circuit um about uh th- these two fucking uh weird dweebs who are like terrified that the earth is not like repopulating fast enough. Yeah, we're down to only 8 billion humans left. So, uh we need to make some babies. So yeah, these two fucking nerds in this profile, what was this Variety magazine or no, it was the Telegraph of London, I think. Yeah. Uh, and these two people are Americans, but you look at a picture of them and they look like they're fucking British. They look like fucking Tories, right? They don't just look like right wing Republicans of, in America. They look like fucking Tories. Um, and yeah, so th- this fucking article, this is this is. So this this movement, you know, there, there's sort of this like a anti-natal movement of people that are like, yeah, don't have kids because this world's fucked up and there's too many people, right? And then there's just a natal movement of like, hey, people, kids, babies should be healthy and whatever. But this pro-natal movement, it just it just reads like eugenics, right? Even when they yeah. try to say it's not, it's just it sounds even more like it is. So um, with the global birth rates in freefall, Silicon Valley's pro-natalists are aiming to halt the decline by having as many babies as possible. Um, so no concern about, you know, like, is there enough resources to go around or anything like that? It's just, we just need to keep cranking them out like fucking cheeseburgers, right? Right. At the center of it all are Simone and Malcolm Collins, two 30-something American entrepreneurs turned philosophers. <laughs> Great. Just, we need more philosophy majors who say they are, uh, they're only the most outspoken proponents of a belief that they... Uh, that many prefer to keep private. Like, yeah, I'm sure. In 2021, they founded a non-denominational campaign group called Pronatalist.org under the umbrella of their non- uh, non-profit Pragmatist, pra- I'm sorry, Pragmatist, Pragmatist Foundation. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Buoyed by a, f- a $500,000 donation from Gene Talon, an Estonian tech billionaire who funds many rationalist and EA organizations. It is now lobbying governments, meeting business leaders, and seeking partnerships with repo tech companies and fertility clinics. Yeah, repo tech. Fucking, you just you just start cranking out fucking test tube babies now. The problem, he concedes, is that falling birth rates are also a common preoccupation of neo-Nazis and other ethno-nationalists who believe they are being outbred and replaced by other races. A lot of alleged concerns about fertility decline are really poorly masked racist ideas about what kinds of people they want on the planet, says demographer or demographer demographer. Fuck, man. Bernice, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Bernice Kuang of the UK Center for Population Change. The Collinses contend that this kind of future is exactly what they are trying to prevent. People often compare our group to the handmaid's tale like thinking, says Malcolm. And I'm like, excuse me, do you know what happens if we, the voluntary movement, fails? Cultures will eventually find ways to fix this. Uh, And how horrifying those mechanisms are depends on whether or not our group finds an ethical way. Though they define themselves politically as conservatives, Malcolm invariably (laughs) votes Republican. They claim to favor LGBT rights and abortion rights and oppose any attempt to pressure those who don't want children into parenthood. (laughs) So... Yeah, it just like if it looks like a duck and talks like a duck. Yeah, it's so funny too because that's just thrown around so much about people who believe the opposite. Like, hey, 
there are like way too many fucking people and we're exhausting this country, this, 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 this planet's, I keep wanting to say company, uh, it's Freudian slip. The, this planet's natural resources, um, there are already too many fucking people and too many resources being used. Like, I'm not saying people should be prohibited from having kids, but I don't think it should be encouraged. Like you should, you like, I, you know, certainly wouldn't want to, uh, for other reasons, but like, I also just like, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't want to bring a kid into this world anyway right now, but like, it's just, I, it, it's fucking bizarre to me that people are like, that think it's a problem that people aren't having as many kids. Like the population is as big as it's ever been in human history and our resources are, you know, even more finite than they've ever been. Like, why would we want to keep, you know, introducing that? And then you see people on the left, like act as if that's some sort of fucking, you know, uh, eco-fascist, you know, position where you're like, Hey, we're maybe like consuming way too much and we shouldn't consume this much. Like, I, I just don't. Yeah, because to, to, to my mind, ecofascism is, is, is when you deplete the world's resources and wipe out half of all the species that were alive 100 years ago, uh, yeah. turning the oceans into a dead zone. Like, that seems like ecofascism to me. Um, but yeah, apparently, like, people have figured out, like, who these people are, and they're, like, longtime fucking Redditors, and this, this fucking chick made a life-size pillow of herself for her husband to... <laughs> you gotta oh. see this... I got to show this to you. These, this is fucking deranged. Hang on a sec. All right. I just sent the length of this shit. <laughs> Let's see. Sorry for the dead air, everybody. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, these people are the actual fucking psychotic fascist you know uh megalomaniacal lunatics um not the people that are like hey maybe we should you know not i mean the, the, there's a fucking term for it the holocene epoch or the holocene extinction we've killed 50 percent of all living flora fauna you know on the fucking planet in our in our in our you know epoch it, it's just yeah. incredible to fucking act like that's not a problem and that it's we should have keep having and we More replaced them with cattle. You know what the fuck? Look up the, the global cattle population. It's like 20 billion. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love this. A... <laughs> somebody, somebody replied, I f- refuse to believe they aren't AI generated. <laughs> 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 oh, God. I can't find the person who tweeted out the fucking uh, the lyric from radiohead's karma police about her hitler haircut (laughs) (laughs) i saw it earlier today but damn yeah yeah and it's and it's crazy when you read the art like the whole article just how like you know whoever wrote it who like takes these people seriously when the entire internet looks at it and just fucking laughs immediately (laughs) like who the fuck do they hire right oh here we get the fucking the fucking nazi from um indiana jones and the uh, oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's got the fucking um, the medallion burned into his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they they gave off serious vibes of um, remember those like the FTX the the, the couple that freak show couple that just no, looked I don't really know what that is the 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 fucking crypto scammer couple. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, 
Yeah, the one that's like gigantic bug <laughs> like, eyes and like which just... which which crypto scammer isn't? Yeah, but I know that doesn't narrow it down. Like, no. what do you mean every major celebrity over the last five years? No, um, yeah, because I, I I do love that they're all now being like brought like class actions are being brought against like a bunch of major celebrities who endorsed like garbage fucking clearly Ponzi scheme crypto uh, scams over the last like you know five six years. And all these people fucking lost absurd amounts of money, so they're all suing like <laughs> Larry David and fucking Michael Jordan and like the most oh, random collection. Larry David getting sued for a commercial in which he plays Larry David telling people not to invest in crypto. Getting sued for by crypto <laughs> is the most Larry David thing to ever happen. Right. I swear. So people are re- replying to this this fucking weirdo couple still. Somebody said, meet the elite couple that's getting blown away by a 12-mile-an-hour wind. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody replied to that one. The Stepford Waifs. (laughs) That's good. Oh, my God. All right. We should move along because we're just laughing for the sake of our own laughter at this point. Absolutely. So So, um, I wanted to mention the Bud Light bullshit. Um, Oh, yeah. Because apparently um, Bud Light did a no-no and uh, they had a commercial with a trans woman and everyone lost it wasn't their even a co- minds. That's what I or thought. What I thought it? like, that's again, these things always, t- these conservative like culture war freakouts always turn out to be like the most innocuous thing imaginable. It wasn't even that they just did like sponsored content with like somebody on Instagram who happens to be trans, like who likes their, their, who likes Bud Light, you know? And, and like, I think they just allowed her to use it in like some sponsored content. It wasn't even a real commercial. Like it's, it's these people Jesus. are so fucking fragile. It's unfucking real. Did you see that video? That psycho. Oh yeah, you did because I sent it to you. That psycho in this fucking supermarket. Like, ha- first of all, again, you know, he, conservatives completely just whiffing at all times when they try to do these these <laughs> performative fucking tantrums. Like they're seven years old. This guy in a supermarket just taking giant like you know twenty four packs or whatever of uh, bush light and smashing it on the ground. Instead yeah, of Bud Light. Instead of Bud Light. Is, so he's too fucking laughing, stupid. Right. But the, the funny part is, is like, it's the it's same company. By the, it is, but right. I'm sure he didn't know that. I'm sure he's just a fucking no. moron, you know. So, so this he was is, leaving this... the Bud Light alone. He was just smashing the bush lights. So. Right. He, he was probably fucking hammered on it, too. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is where to go. And that guy also got arrested for indecent exposure to because uh, he exposed himself to a 16 year old unrelated to that incident. Just that people looked him up and were like, oh. Okay, so this is this guy's right. So fun. they're mad that Bud Light is contributing to the trans agenda of grooming children. Meanwhile, he's fucking exposing himself to a minor. It's it's without fail. These people, it's like that. It's just always like that. They're always it's the fucking, always like you know, that. The projection. I, I had a segment last week that I skipped about a guy who was like a Bible thumper talking about the fucking trans agenda, uh, and turns out he was having uh, trying to have sex with an underage girl who was on his staff. Um, whenever i hear that phrase the tr- trans agenda somebody said it as a joke once and i never can unhear it is that like, that's just the way a really stereotypical italian would say transgender <laughs> you know hey, the trans agenda like that's I, that's all i can hear now when i hear that phrase right so yeah okay so fucking all right so bud light parent company tries to counter dylan mulvaney backlash with clydesdales across america commercial <laughs> I shit you not. It's it like, hey, we're, we're we're sorry we acknowledge trans people exist. Here's a, here's a, some cute ponies. Here's a cute horsey for you, so you won't be mad anymore. 
because it's just it's it's like because you know we we know that you know the lives of horses matter to you more than than people who you know have a different gender than you right um so bud light uh, anyway i read that part already. hoping to win back the audience that abandoned bud light and other affiliated products in the week or in the wake of its endorsement deal with transgender influencer dylan mulvaney anheuser bush has launched a new ad featuring its most iconic image ponies in a new patriotic ad released friday i love how the like the news is calling it patriotic like did, did they this, is, this clearly is like a content that was paid for by their PR company. The new patriotic ad released Friday shows a Clydesdale horse walking past famous landmarks ranging from New York City to the Grand Canyon. If their horse walking in New York City, it's going to get fucking hit by a car. I guarantee that. With, yep. a, solemn discover, or with a solemn voiceover delivering a patriotic message. Quote, quote, quote the narrator. Uh, this is a story bigger than beer. <laughs> right. This isn't about beer. This is the story of the American spirit. That's literally what it oh says. God. I watched the ad. It's, 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 it's so fucking sad. At one Fragile. point, the ad shows two people raising an American flag with one placing a hand over her heart. <laughs> over the Clear, clearly, no uh, no trans person would ever do those things. No, no, for sure. Uh, brood for those who found opportunity and challenge and hope in tomorrow, the ad's narrator says. Because you know how they love to like, you know, like the more your life sucks, the more like a good American you are. Right. Bud Light parent Anheuser-Busch is a Belgian multinational corporation based in Leuven, Belgium. It has approximately 360 beer brands in 150 countries. <laughs> just, just to show you how American they are. Yeah, no, it's the epitome <laughs> of American beer company. It's just. And, and, and the, the, these people are just such clowns. I mean, this is stuff that conservatives have been doing. For as long as I've had a, a, a memory of like political events, but it's just so funny that people still take them seriously when they just have these these fucking like seven year old temper tantrums. And yeah, th- there was another thing that some some dickhead country singer uh, named Brantley Gilbert, which is again the, the <laughs> whitest name. Like, I, it, like, did I make that up? Is that AI generated? You'll never know. But that's you know that's the guy. I guarantee he has a he has a daughter named Twig. And a son named Branch. They, those are real oh. fucking names. People have oh, been yeah. doing that shit for a while now. Oh yeah, and, and those are like their their kids are old enough to have child brides of their own now. There was there was a video of him playing a concert, I guess, over the weekend, uh, and, and he took out a can of Bud Light on stage and smashed it. You know, in a sh- like it made a show of smashing it on the stage. Um, while they were his band was doing a cover of another one bites the dust by queen like they were doing a cover of a fucking queen song and and just being completely bigoted it, it's just oh. it's fucking like the, the, just and the lack of self-awareness it's they don't fucking, fucking know. incredible all right this is this is hilarious but i was when i was in high school um graduating class senior year we all had to vote for what our official class song was going to be oh nice and like it, it got whittled down to like a bunch of classic rock songs, basically like Pink Floyd's "We Don't Need No Education," of course, because whatever. Right. Stand by. And then like some some oh that fucking song by the Verve Pipe they played every five minutes. Oh, bittersweet for, like, Symphony. No, the other one, not the Verve, the Verve Pipe, different. Oh, um, fucking uh... Richmond. Oh Nothing. God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so no, I don't even remember what it oh, was. Fucking one, bad. No, you son of a bitch. But one of them, but one of them was a song by Queen, 
And there was this guy who sat next to me in the homeroom class where we had to do the voting. And he was this huge fucking racist, you know, hated. He was like the only person that hated gay people, like outwardly hated gay people. So he got mocked for it because wow. it, we were because just I had a pretty forward thinking school because that was not my high school experience. Well, like, we were a rural school, but we were, uh, you know, triple A uh, size high school. So like that shit just didn't fly. I mean, we it's just like, so weird. Like, I, I really think that there was a like, even though we, we only are like, like, you know, 10 years or so apart in age. Much like like being trans back then was not a big deal, and now it's like the biggest culture war thing in the world. I think that was right. kind of what happened with being gay because of all the Bush shit around gay marriage, which was happening right as I was sort of getting into high school. Because that was like the thing that everyone in fucking high school, like every bully, every that was like the biggest thing is just like calling people fag and like just all kinds of just like real casual people would say that to each other but not if it, it, it they, people would do that as an insult but not to actually call somebody that who was actually gay it just didn't yeah, I don't know. You know, like we all knew that everybody in our you know in the theater department was gay and that was just how right. theater was right there's not like and i'm not going to say that there wasn't any discrimination because clearly he wasn't the only bigot but he was the only guy i knew who was outwardly uh, homophobic and he was like, oh, this list of songs is great. I'm going to pick the song by, I'm picking this Queen song. And I was like, <laughs> Dave, Dave, you know that the fucking, you know, you know, Freddie Mercury was like flamingly gay, right? He's like, what? What are you talking about? And like the whole class started laughing. And he got, he got so fucking mad. He like picked his desk up and slammed it on the ground <laughs> and then stormed out of the room and everyone was fucking howling. <laughs> You know that guy's trans now. Like that's there's like a ninety percent chance <laughs> that Dave is oh, yeah. now. You know Danielle or he was like a bodybuilder. You know, big big guy he was into wrestling, football. Like, a, there's no way he's not a fucking woman now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just that's just an excessive amount of of protestation. But, oh yeah. Totally. Um. But, but yeah, it's it's just fucking like like you just fucking you're such losers. Like just I. But and it, and it's just and I understand like like for trans people it's terrifying because these people are violent psychopaths i mean you see a, the guy smashing uh bud like viciously smashing bud light or bush light <laughs> what he thought was bud light um in the supermarket and then like when he sees somebody filming he starts just fucking winging cans at them i mean that guy if he fucking sees like a trans person that's obviously trans like walking down the street what do you think that an unhinged psychopath like that would do like it's just it's a scary notion. Like he's I, gonna I, sign up for the police force, is what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. just it, these people are fucking insane. But this country is just full of insane people who have been given every tool imaginable to do untold amounts of violence. Like be it by you know just giving them unlimited guns and ammunition, or just completely removing any sort of mental health care services from any sort of social can, can service. Can legally yeah. drive a 9,000-pound fucking tank. Oh, yeah. On, There's no, no sort of streets. mental, it's, you, know, you know, aspect to that. You know, like you could crazy, fucking crazier than a shithouse rat person can get a uh, fucking license in this country and get a gun well, permit in this country. This, uh, this, this segues great into the next segment I had here because we had a couple headlines. Um of people being murdered for just not even mistakes, but just like, you know, like how, how often have you, you know, missed your turn and then you have to like turn around in a driveway. Yeah. No, it, it, it's imagine just, these are excuse killings. Like I really want to kill somebody and I got a great excuse because somebody yeah. turned around in my driveway. So I'm going to shoot them in the fucking head. Like, so I got, I got four of these and they get progressively more insane. And the last one is, is just like, I, I cannot believe the last one. 
I can't believe any of them. The last one, yeah. I'm just like, are you? I, when you said there were like multiple, because uh, I knew about the one, the kid that like got shot. But then, so, I, yeah, I was looking into it. I was like, Jesus Christ. New York woman driven to wrong address, fatally shot by homeowner, sheriff says. A 20-year-old woman looking for a friend's house in upstate New York was fatally shot by a homeowner after the car she was riding in went into the wrong address. So I'm assuming not into the house, but just the driveway. Uh, Kaylin Gillis was in a car with three other people Saturday night in a rural town of Hebron when uh, the group mistakenly turned into the property of Kevin Monahan, 65. That's his age. When officers arrived at Monahan's house to investigate the shooting, he refused to come out and was uncooperative, Murphy said. You think if he was, he was not a white guy that they would have just like let him, you think they wouldn't have burst the door down and fucking emptied their clips into the entire course? Yeah. Authorities spoke with him through a 911 dispatcher uh, and in person for more than an hour before he was taken into custody. Um, it was noted that the shooting took place in a very rural area with limited cell phone service and that it is easy to get lost in. Uh, he said the group had been in Monahan's driveway for just a, shoot, uh, just a short time before they realized their mistake. Their mistake. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I grew up out in a rural area. And we had a long driveway and people would just like pull into the end of our driveway near the road and just fucking crack open beers and party there, knowing full well it was not their property. And right. we were just like, eh, whatever. They're not bothering us. You know, like yeah. it, that was how that's how we were, that's how I grew up it was just like, you know, yeah, they're on your property. But like, are they fucking harming anything? No. Are they threatening you? No. You know, like it's a big fucking chunk of land. Get the, You know, so. The Hebron, New York shooting occurred days after 16-year-old Ralph uh, Yari or Yarl was shot and wounded in Kansas City, Missouri after going to the wrong house to pick up his younger brothers. A local prosecutor announced Monday that an 85-year-old white man who shot the black teen twice at his front door was charged with armed assault. Uh, Yarl is now rece- uh, recovering at home after being released Saturday from the hospital. He'd initially been hospitalized in critical condition. The incident also follows the fatal shooting of a New Mexico homeowner after police responded to the wrong house for domestic violence. Recently released body cam footage shows that uh, an unidentified Farmington police officer immediately shoot Robert Dotson, 52, after he opened the door with a gun. So again, this guy, you know, not pointing it, just, you know, hey, who's at my door? I have a gun. Also just like crazy, like why would you automatically open the door with a gun? Um, But then also just, you know, like if the police can just shoot you for holding a gun, then there is no Second Amendment, by the way. The incident is under investigation and three officers are put on paid leave, administrative leave. And then the final one here. Four members of a cheerleading team in Texas were shot Tuesday after the girls mistakenly tried to get into, uh, get into the wrong car. Like, uh, why are you? Uh, it, what if? OK, if the you're craziest a thing in the world, teenager, yeah. you're a teenager sitting in the parking lot of your high school and four fucking cheerleaders get into your car. I'd be like, hell yeah, ladies, where do you want to go? Like uh, you, you just start shooting at someone because, you know, you're so afraid of fucking cheerleaders. It's like the video of that guy, you know, that hilarious video of the guy who shot at the guy in that road rage incident where he just completely blew out his side and front, you know, window. And he looks around like he doesn't know what happened. (laughs) Like, like someone else did it. And he's dying for an excuse to fucking shoot somebody. That's just that. It, the, like I, this is one of these things that we just kind of take for granted or like just accept as like it's just the way it is in this country it's the craziest thing in the world to me that you are allowed to carry a gun in a car like that you're not that you that you're not 
like unless you're transporting it, it and it's not like locked in a fucking you know lockbox in your trunk like it's fucking insane to me that people are allowed to just keep a fucking I mean, gun in their center console it is illegal in chicago that's for sure but yeah, but a lot of connecticut here where i am in connecticut which is not a conservative state it's legal to concealed carry you just need a permit and i think you need to have like a sticker on the back of your car that says cc dl like control carry driver's license or whatever but and in a lot of states i mean it, it's just it, it's fucking insane to me that you're legally allowed to just keep a fucking gun in your center console just in case you know you need to shoot a motherfucker like the, it, the, the people who are carrying around a gun just casually walking around with a gun yeah i'm sure you know most of them are not looking to use it but the fact that they are, you know, think that they need to or they might need to at some point, they're 99 more percent percent more likely to. Yeah, they're even, more even apt to use it if, gonna. if they feel that they're in the need of that. Like, you know, it just it's going to completely erase any rational thought because you don't have the time to think like, all right, well, maybe let's not escalate a situation. It's immediately like, well, I need to protect myself at all costs because first and foremost, we're, you know, the most selfish uh, group of people ever in in world history are Americans that live right now in this age. Like it, it's, I was thinking about this today, and it's just you know, people are like, oh well, you know, it's just people don't do anything about climate change because it's too slow. They don't see it happening. You know, if it was happening all at once, like that would really make people's minds change. And I'm like, guys, we just got a pi- we just piloted this program. Like, look at COVID. Like people, nothing fundamentally changed about the way society functions, about the way you know, indoor ventilation works like not, we literally did a token hand waving it, like trying to solve COVID. And then it was like, well, it would cost money to do any of these other things that are like easy fixes. So we're just not going to do them. And then we're just like, yeah, well, I guess we just have this now where like people, you know, maybe once, maybe twice a year are going to get infected with this thing that slowly erodes your brain. Um, and it's just a thing now. Like it, it's just, so it, to me, this whole thing of this whole notion of like, you know, people say like, oh, yeah, if the climate change, you know, if it was just like in the day after tomorrow where it was like two days from now, you know, the world was going to freeze over. People would start doing something about it. And I'm like, I don't really think they would at this point. Like, I feel like at this point, it's just kind of like we're, we're just anything that inconveniences us in, in, in for more than like a week is, is just beyond the pale in terms of expecting people to care about society as a whole like it's just never going to happen so i have no hope of anything like that ever changing anytime soon well i mean we we, the debate on gun control ended with sandy hook oh that and that's what i said at the time even and i wasn't even that politically sad i was like once they said it was cool to just kill fucking elementary school kids i'm like there's just they're never gonna do if there was ever a fucking like like just complete fucking you know sea change moment it was when a bunch of fucking like little kids, like little little kids, were brutally murdered by a fucking psychopath who had no lots business of them with too, not just like yeah, three like or twenty, twenty five of them. It like just it was yeah. one of the m- most disgusting and and you know tragic things I've ever uh, witnessed. And once nothing happened from that, I was just like, yeah, all of all of politics is just forever broken in this country. All of society is just forever fucking broken because we're just yeah no we're never going to do anything um to to make things better we're just going to do any we're just going to do everything we can to ignore things that are uncomfortable for us and and you know keep our heads down that's that's the real american way 
I, I really, you know, I, I will continue to find humor in, uh, you know, Gallo's humor and the, the sheer irony of how fucked up we are. Um, this was, saw this tweet here, a, uh, from McAllister news in Oklahoma. Um, a county commissioner accused of being recorded in a discussion about killing two local journalists and lynching black people has submitted his resignation, officials confirmed. Headline, McCurtain County Commissioner resigns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. I wonder why. What, what do you do? Yeah. So I, 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 re- I replied to the tweet, it's McCurtain's forum. Because, <laughs> yeah, McCurtain nice, County nice. Commissioner. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just yeah, well, you know, while we're on the subject of tragedies, uh, we we wanted to close out talking about a uh, another tragedy, kind of in the other direction. <laughs> well, not I mean, not in the other direction, but we it's something we've talked about on the show a lot. Uh, I guess this week um, was the the thirtieth anniversary of Waco and the whole Waco standoff and incident and subsequent. You know, oh, it's it today. It's thirty years to the day today. Today's today, like today. the day the, the anniversary of the raid itself, like the last push, like. Today is the anniversary of the massacre. Yeah, yeah, the the, the yeah the last 80, day of eighty two people standoff. burned to death. Yeah, women and children, and yeah, it just just you know horrific. And we've talked about it at length on the show. We did a whole review of the Paramount Plus uh, Waco TV series, which was excellently done and is not at all, I would say, you know, pro cop or I don't pro. Know, it was, I don't think there even was a a, a Paramount plus when it first came out because it came out like three four years ago no, it? it was like one of the first paramount plus oh i'm sorry not paramount plus paramount like the actual network paramount gotcha which used to be spike tv that was like one of the first things when they switched to paramount and they became more um prestige drama driven that was like when yellowstone i think first came out also i haven't watched that show <laughs> but that's like everyone every boomer's favorite show um but that uh that was like one of the first things they did it was like this this kind of prestige drama miniseries uh with uh taylor kitsch who was uh tim riggins on fucking uh friday night lights the best high school football show that's not at all about high school or football and um uh, it's about god <laughs> no no it's good it's, it, it's just a good show about like adolescence and like living in small towns and how fucked up they are and it's good shit um and uh and what's his face um the the, the oh god oh michael shannon who's who's just incredible in everything he's in just you know incredible face for 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 you know I, he's just got one of those faces where it's, it's, it's weird looking but it's like perfect for for movies because it's just you know he looks like a real person but he also looks like bizarre so it's and, and he's just a great fucking actor um so yeah that that, that show came out we did a whole review pod on it um and it was sort of based on dueling sort of accounts uh by uh, of the of the whole standoff by um the by gary uh i forget his name but the the guy that michael shannon plays who is the the uh the, the fbi negotiator who was actually trying to like chill out the atf psychopath you know jackboots that were trying to go in there and shoot as many people as possible he was trying to resolve it peacefully and one of the the Branch Davidians, who was also kind of like, uh, this is like, guys, we should really uh, chill out here. Uh, and, and you know, he was one of the David Thibodeau, I think his name is. And he was like one of the, the survivors. But um, yeah, it was, it, it was just a really well done show that shows like the fucked up nature sort of of both sides of that conflict. And um, the only problem with that show, though, is that it was way too soft on the FBI. It, it really tries to like, you know paint both sides with 
you know, trying to understand them. Um, the reality was, you know, as we saw in photos, was the FBI was basically they were they were doing trophy photos, complete psychopaths and aggressors. And I mean, this was they treated this like it like, was, you know, next to the smoldering ashes of dead children, and they're doing poses with their guns, snapping photos of it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, they did a good job of showing that the ATF was 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 insane, but I think they. Because of the fact that that the the guy who was the you know the, uh, the hostage negotiator actually was trying in real life to resolve the conflict, they sort of gave a hand wave to his FBI colleagues who were a lot less looking for a peaceful resolution than he was. You know, what I mean? yeah. Like, well, I watched that Netflix documentary um, on Waco, or was it was it Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah it and it's Waco total propaganda. Just absolute propaganda. Um, basically, every time, you know, they, they would only interview like the most, the, like the craziest of the Branch Davidians, right? Just to paint them as, you know, right. all, you know, nuts. And, but, and, you know, they never mentioned, they never mentioned in the whole documentary, you know, why, if you had a arrest warrant for David Koresh, why wouldn't you just wait till he left the fucking compound? Right. Which he did if all you, the time. You he know, would go to gun shows all the time. He would play yeah, fucking would, bars, you know, with his band. Like, yeah. Yeah, so the I mean, if the only reason to storm an armed compound, um, well, you know, it's full of fucking, you know, what what they claimed were illegally altered guns. That's what the warrant was for, not for you know child endangerment or sexual assault of a minor, um, which they all use as their excuse for why they had to go uh, kill all those minors. Right. Um, yeah, they they don't mention any of that shit in this documentary, right? And that that's. You know, they they bring that up in the in the in the series that we, we reviewed several times saying, you know, if you if you needed me, if you needed to arrest just me, why did you fucking storm this place? Guns blazing when you could right. just wait for me to leave somewhere. Right. So and that's that's one of the great parts of that, uh, that series is that it, it, you're like, yeah, hey, <laughs> like, wait, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like they were there to arrest, you know, all uh, however many hundred and twenty people they were there to arrest one fucking guy. Yeah. Um, and no, and absolutely. And that's the, you know, and that's the thing about the whole thing. And it was Janet Reno, you know, of course, conservative psychopath that Bill Clinton made uh, attorney general trying to be, you know, the, doing the typical uh, Democrat in the 90s thing of trying to look as insane and conservative as po- and tough on crime, quote unquote, as possible to appeal to the non-existent Republican that's going to vote for a Democrat base like that. It's just the typical shit you see out of every, you know, every new deal or new uh, Democrat from the 90s. Right. uh, That we're trying to do that. And, and, you know, and I, you know, obviously grew up in the 90s and I was talking about earlier how, you know, everyone I knew in my school was not tolerant of homophobia. Right. But at the same time, you had the Clinton administration passing don't ask, don't tell. Right. So just to show you how fucking right wing. Democrats were in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, we, um, you know, during, especially during the, the 26 or well, in the aftermath of the 2016 election, uh, we went, we, uh, we, on this show have countless times gone through the, the nightmare that was the Clinton administration, all the, uh, conservative, uh, policies that he enacted that are still having ripple effects to this day, you know, not, not the least of which was the telecommunications act, but, um, yeah, it, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those cr- like, crazy fascinating horrible uh uniquely american stories is is the 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 tragedy and the massacre of waco um and this was the 30th anniversary and of course i was informed of this by that meme that you sent me today which uh was was hilarious which was just you know david koresh on on his like pulpit with his guitar saying uh 
well, anyway, uh, here's Whedon's Start the Fire. Uh, which which it was so good because of the the cadence of the joke that it took me a second to realize like oh we actually didn't start the fight like i didn't didn't even connect with me for a first like couple you know 30 seconds but then i was like oh that's a good joke. right well and I, I love that it starts with anyways here's we didn't start the fire <laughs> right. implying that as he's up on stage and you know as if you've ever been to an open mic or any really any concert you know how much people that have you know lead frontman band syndrome not like, so many great songs ramble. but like love the spotlight just love to talk about bullshit oh i got a microphone and a bunch of people are listening to every word mm-hmm. i say you know fucking pa system like it so it's just it, the, the fact that he says anyways here's we didn't start the fire like he's coming off of like a long ramble from on the right. mic about some about god knows oh, what man. you know he's well, whoever a notorious fucking just banterer on stage oh, you gotta just tell absolutely so whoever made the meme is very aware of like the culture of like <laughs> just open mics wild. and the kind of people that come up there and just waste time uh-huh. Uh-huh. rambling it away and they're like all right well anyways here's this song you know but the right. and then of course the fact that it's you know billy joel's we didn't start the fire <laughs> um Kick-ass songs that they they chose for the uh, Waco TV series, by the way. That the fucking opening scene in the bar where he's playing uh, My Sharona with his band, uh, and then they they have that one scene where the where the FBI or the ATF shuts the power off, and they 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 get the power back working just so they can play that. Uh, yeah, they had I a generator song so they call. could just play back a little music. I remember it. I remember it. So I wanted to read here a little bit from um, how the uh, what is this. I don't remember if this is New York Times or Washington Post, but they're clearly in damage control mode uh, because they they clearly have you know seen this this Waco series and they know there's another Waco series coming out who's probably going to be you know from the trailer looks sympathetic to the people who were enraged at what the government did killing all those people. Thirty years later, it's the title here. Thirty years later, Waco siege fascinates infuriates new generations. <laughs> Young Americans is the byline. Young Americans today mm. learn of the 1993 standoff through pop culture and social media, often with an anti-government undertone. Uh-oh, we can't have that, people. Yeah, so why, this, why can't they be like the kids in the 90s that learned about the uh, standoff at Waco, but with a sketchy VHS that talked about all the, you know, oh, cons- well, they... I mean, kids learned about this in the 90s and didn't care because it was fucking it was just it was it was on the nightly news. Well, you remember that like kids didn't watch the nightly news back then. But now we have social media. And according to Washington Post, kids learn about things on social media where they can control their own message and learn what they want to learn is bad. Well, there were so many contemporaneous like just really questionable like VHS like documentaries made about Waco by like right wing cranks at the time. I remember that was a big thing, like in the early. Bill Hicks made one too. Yeah, no, I know. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, he just happened to be in wait, like in Waco, or went down for. Yeah, he's from Texas. You're right to kind of see what the hell was going on, but yeah, there were a lot of those in the '90s. So that's, I think, where most people got those, and now those are just you know YouTube videos that people watch. That's replaced the fucking sketchy VHS sold um, shows. Because he was Bill Hicks was buddies with um, fucking Alex Jones back in the day. Remember that. Yeah, and that and that isn't that like why people have this conspiracy theory that could because they have like a vaguely similar, especially like younger Alex Jones, like sort of a vaguely similar look that like it's actually like he's just pulling at Andy Kaufman and he took a hard right <sighs> turn. Yeah, no, I, obviously I, it's I, not the case, but it's funny. I've, I've heard that. But yeah, I watched some of those like very old like nineteen nineties, um, you know, like cable access show uh, 
version of like the Alex Jones show and they would have Bill Hicks on. And I was just like, Oh my God. And, and that's it was Alex Jones weird. was not nearly as a fucking lunatic back then though. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he, Joe Rogan claims he had like a major head trauma and that's, that's what caused it. But, um, which yeah, would, well, Joe Rogan would know. No, right. I know. Right. If anyone knows about head trauma. Um, but, and, and you know, just pop, like the, the, the whole sort of conspiracy theory culture was a lot different at the time. I feel like there was not as much of a, right left divide i think there were like sort of agreed upon conspiracies that like the left and the right both agreed were fucked up you know like like waco and you know like the jfk assassination and shit like that sure and and now it's a lot more segmented into like the right wing thinks that like jfk jr is going to come back and fucking you know (laughs) expose all the pedophiles and you know we we still i think cling to the the actual like conspiracy theories that are like totally not at all conspiracies are totally true like you know the cia you know it started all these fucking wars and all these coups attempted and you know probably killed jfk well, and things like the that. term gets misused too because a conspiracy theory is simply the theory that people conspired together right right and and if that's the case i mean every everything that has ever happened where multiple people collaborated to do something is a conspiracy. Yeah, most of the <laughs> left's conspiracy just... theories are conspiracy facts, like cons- confirmed conspiracies that we were aware of, like Yeah, you know? we we submitted a FOIA request and it turns out the CIA did that. <laughs> right. Whoopsie. No, they redacted it. So, yep. this article I'm going to read here a little bit from is written by Hannah Allum, the NatSec reporter focusing on extremism and domestic terrorism. So, yeah, again, who were the domestic terrorists in this case? Uh, who attacked whom? Yeah, right. It was the ATF. It was the federal government were the ones who were the terrorists here. Um, so this, this is actually the first paragraph of the article just to kind of set the tone. And then I kind of pulled different excerpts here. But keep in mind, this is they're, they're like finger wagging here about social media in general and one platform in particular. Mm. The TikToks start with a drive through the flat plains of central Texas to the memorial site. The ethereal background music and praying hands emoji invoking a a pilgrimage. Next up are the plaques listing names of the dead, followed by a peek inside a makeshift museum with a poster-sized scene of carnage on the walls. Moving back outside, the camera lingers on a square pit labeled vaults where the mothers and children were gassed. There's often a testimonial at this point about how creepy the place is, how it's hard to shake an eerie feeling. Yeah, I can't imagine why there's an eerie feeling there. Yeah. So basically, it's like, it's like saying that, you know, people who are like retelling the story on TikTok are somehow misleading people <laughs> about what happened just by showing it, <laughs> apparently, is the, the, you know, what they're trying to convey here. Roughly half of the U.S. population is too young to remember the government's fiery, ill-fated raid on a heavily armed religious sect outside Waco in 1993. Ill-fated. Yeah, that's that's what you call a massacre. That You know, that ill-fated uh, Holocaust we <laughs> yeah, carried out. Yeah, right, you that, know, that, just, that little uh, unfortunate we, we event. I mean, yeah, we set it on fire, but we don't know why people didn't run out while we were shooting at them at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it wasn't like we trapped them in the fucking basement or anything, you know, just <laughs> through our fucking explosions and gunfire. It still shows up as the go-to example for what they need to be prepared for to fight against, said Casey Cox, the political scientist at Texas A&M University who studies domestic terrorism. If you're somebody who maybe watches the documentary and then decides to look up more about it, it would be very easy to fall down some dark rabbit holes. Um, Like like the truth of the situation? Like, I don't understand what... (laughs) 
So the sex leader and Maasai figure, David Koresh, was tipped off about the operation, and a gun battle erupted when the authorities arrived, resulting in the deaths of four agents and six members of the group. Many others were wounded on both sides. Again, both. anytime you hear the word both sides, mm. it's, it's asymmetrical. Yeah. Waco is one of those moments that, with a little bit of massaging, gets right into that narrative of federal tyranny said Sam Jackson, an extremism scholar whose book Oath Keepers discusses how Waco fueled the anti-government militia movement. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem is that they just gave these nut jobs uh, just unlimited ammunition with the way that they did this. And I'm, you know, I'm sure they could care less, you know, of the consequences, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the amount of recruitment and the straight line you can draw from fucking Waco and Ruby Ridge to Oklahoma City, like to every fucking major, you know, alt right and ultra na- like white nationalist fucking terrorist incident or you know shooting is is, uh, you know, it's a straight fucking line. But right. So yeah, you mentioned uh, Oklahoma City, and I saw somebody posting conspiracy theories about that, saying that there's no way that you know four thousand pounds of explosives in a truck could make a crater the size that it did. Or blow up half of the entire building. And I replied, I was like, you dumbass, did you realize that in capitalist America, even a federal building is made out of the cheapest materials possible? Yeah. You're not looking at blast damage. You're looking at collapse damage. The Look building at that shoddy fucking, con- yeah, craftsmanship that we fucking, the, you know. Yeah, the bomb didn't take off half the building. It took out just enough of it that the half of it collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> so, but all right, a couple last paragraphs here. This art's bullshit article. ATF Deputy Director Marvin Richardson, the Bureau's second-in-command, is a native Texan who was at the siege as a young agent three decades ago. In a phone interview this week, Richardson said "In the years uh, said the years have flown by, but haven't dulled the pain of losing four colleagues on that first day of the raid. We were pretty young guys back in the day, but very much dedicated law enforcement professionals who were actually doing a job that day. Serving a lawful order of the court, Richardson said. So, uh, again, just like with no fucking thought to the consequences, because it was about showing who's boss, showing that you're not going to have a little commune where you make guns that are more powerful than the government's. You know, this was this was absolutely designed for mass casualties and to send a political message. Right. Right. And once once they got their asses handed to them, then it was personal. Then it was, you know, a fucking sports team. Then it was, you know, we have to show them who's boss. We have to, you know, do everything we can to undermine the negotiations, crush their cars, fucking, you know, do psychological terror, blasting music 24-7, turn off the water, cut off access to food. It, yeah, it was psychological a, torture, the shit that this they was, do. It was like a medieval siege. Yeah. This is what they used to do is fucking starve the whole city until, you know, they lower the drawbridge, right? Yeah. And even when they, you know, agreed to do that, but, you know, move the goalpost a little bit towards the last few days as he's writing this manifesto or whatever. They decided that, you know, men, women and children, 82 of them, their lives didn't mean anything. And right. and again, there was no fucking ticking time bomb. Like the only ticking time bomb that was that existed was was created by the fucking ATF, like just trying to it force was, the it issue. Was egos. It was it was, egos. It was they being were defied. In control. And the philosophy of the police is you have to control everything at all times. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's just pure ego. And they were being made to look stupid in the national media because the national media was covering every bit of the story. And then it was like, well, 
they were told that he would come out at this point, and now he didn't. So now, rather than, you know, just continuing to try to coax him out peacefully, which you really, in theory, could do for an indefinite amount of time, you know, eventually they would either have to starve or come out. Um, they decide to just go in and kill 80-something people, you know, fucking kids. And, you know, it's it's just, yeah. Again, just it's just the ultimate cops gonna cop fucking moment in in you know in American history that I can remember, but um, yeah, no, that complete uh, nightmare scenario and gave gave unlimited amount of fuel to the uh, ultra right white nationalist movement, and we see where that's led to today. Um, but yeah, so on that yeah. on that cheery note, <laughs> I had one last little funny thing. If you want to uh, end it on a funny, um. Yeah, I mean, if it's quick, yeah, that's fine. It, it is It is quick, yeah. And this is, um, so I, this was just some of the headlines I happened to notice on uh, Reddit slash unpopular opinions. Um, and see if you can, I mean, so there's, there, I have a theory here. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of these headlines real quick. Uh, no real text. These are just unpopular headlines. If you catch a ball at a baseball game, you shouldn't be bullied into giving it to a child. <laughs> LinkedIn. I agree with that one, by the I, way. But but I'll I'll get to the point here in a second. It's these are just they're totally random, but it's they're the top posts. This one I agree with. LinkedIn is just a circle jerk of professionals, mm-hmm. humble bragging about themselves to each other. Yep. Wearing a university's hoodie without graduating and enrolling in that university is cringe. It's really sad how comfortable everyone has gotten being so mean to each other on the dot, dot, dot. And then it continues. I don't know what it says, but it's just like. I agree with all of these so far, so I don't know why they're unpopular, but yes. This is, yeah. And then the last one here, gambling doesn't get nearly as much hate as it deserves. (laughs) So so I guarantee every single one of those is a, you know, people, people framing a specific personal experience as a societal woe are 100% complaining about a specific person who no longer fucks them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guarantee the guy who caught a ball a game and was told by his girlfriend to give it to a kid. He didn't want to uh-huh. um, LinkedIn. It's probably, you know, his ex is on there, you know, and has a better fucking career than he does. Um, wearing a university hoodie without actually going there. That could be a guy or a girl who their ex wears a fucking, you know, they, they're in a picture with their new partner, new girlfriend, and they're wearing, <laughs> right. and they're wearing a hoodie that, that they didn't go to a school to, and they're like, you know, pissed about the, you know, the new relationship, but they're trying to fucking make it about something else. Right. Um, really sad how everyone's gotten so mean on which we on, you know, it's some fucking dating platform probably or right. whatever. Gambling isn't getting as much hate as it, like because their fucking spouse gambled away their house or something like that, <laughs> you know, right. So yeah, these are all just like there's there's no way this is like their biggest fucking gripe in the world unless there was fucking sex involved. They just want people to, to, to validate that 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 <laughs> ang- momentary anger because of that one very specific instance. And I'm yeah. sure in the text of each of those posts is they, oh, like, well, a- just for example, for me, blah blah blah. You know? <laughs> right, right. So my my ex broke up with me and still wears the <laughs> hoodie. They didn't even wear the thing. Right. Uh, there, there was only one there's a bunch more here i'm not going to read all of them but the only one that i could re- figure couldn't figure out like a, a former sexual partner angle was sleep deprivation is rapidly growing and uh to dangerous epidemic levels and it's being overlooked <laughs> like that 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 seems reasonable i don't think there's a there's a fucking personal story to that one <laughs> no no just people fucking workaholicking themselves into yeah like, grave 
like maybe their current partner that they have a healthy relationship with is right. overworked and not getting enough sleep. And that's like a genuinely like legitimate, legitimate thing concern, to care about because yeah. it's out of love, not hate. Yeah, right. <laughs> that one probably doesn't get as much engagement, though. Um, but no, yeah. that was like that was the lowest one right. out of all. The yeah. <laughs> oh man, because uh, we all know we don't fucking sleep enough, and you know we're ultimately like, yeah, well, we should probably do something about that, but we don't. Yeah, just fucking. Hey, just think of it this way: the less you sleep, the longer the day you get to live. Yeah. Until you're fucking. If you don't count all the years you're shaving off your life by not, you know, getting a full, <laughs> full night's rest. But hey, um, you know, like they say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yep. Great Warren Zevon song. Um, yeah, well, anyway, on that note, <laughs> all right, that does it for us this week. Um, and yeah, so uh, if you like the pod, uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left, uh, facebook.com slash move left idiots, uh, patreon.com slash move left. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at proneonatal.org. See you next week. Harry Truman